Digital Marketing Radio, episode 95. Digital Marketing Technology and Blogging. DigitalMarketingRadio.com I'm David Vane and this is Digital Marketing Radio, weekly interviews with digital marketing experts. Um, find out about everything we do at DigitalMarketingRadio.com The Big Interview with David Bain. So today I'm joined by Chris Garrett. Chris, welcome to DMR. Thanks for having me. I just love all the little jingles you've got. <laughs> it's one of these Marmite situations, isn't it? Uh, love it or hate it, but um, it's 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 fun for me, and that's uh, <laughs> maybe all that matters. I'm not sure. I suppose it's all that matters if no one's watching, but hopefully someone's watching. <laughs> um, so a little bit about Chris then. Well, Chris is co-author of the Pro Blogger book, and uh, he's also Chief Digital Officer at Copy Blogger Media. And well, you can find him over at Chris G. Dot com. Um, so, Chris, I, I had a look, um, a little look before we, we, we started chatting, and I see that you registered Chris G way back, uh, ChrisG.com way back in 1998. Um, so you've been in the digital sphere for, for some time. Yeah, that wasn't actually my first domain. It was uh, after I, I closed the business. Uh, I chose that domain name because it was personal to me, but it was uh, probably my... Yeah, I think it was my second domain name. I had a, a domain before that when I started doing web development. So I actually started out online back with the bulletin boards. If you remember those, the modem-powered bulletin boards. Yeah, so and, vaguely, I was, I was, I was actually first online, let, let alone um, doing online marketing. First online in '99, I reckon, uh, in terms of proper browsing the web stuff. You know, your email and things yeah. like that before that. But um, I think I, my first experience of online was 1989. Um, it was uh, a bulletin board called Sound and Vision, where people used to say horrible things to each other about their 3D rendering files. <laughs> so, I, I didn't post very much, I must admit. That was before Tim Berners-Lee came along, wasn't it? Yeah, I, my first experience with the internet was um, early 90s, but it was, I worked for a college, so we had an early in, yeah, there was a network in the UK called Janet that everybody could, all the colleges and universities could connect to. So we used to send files around with FTP and we used to telnet into sites and all that lovely stuff like 1992 and 93. So when the web came along, we were well placed. So uh, my first web page was in 1994. Wow. So you didn't make millions um, buying and selling domains in the early days at all? Oh, I could have done. Uh, there's so many I could have had. I mean, we used to see, uh, just for a joke, which domain names were available. If, if we just snapped them up for free, even wow. back then. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you can't worry about what might have been, though. No. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, I, I, I first um, um, became aware of you, I think, uh, maybe about 2006 or something like that, as um, uh, a prominent uh, blogger um, talking about blogging marketing strategy and things like that. Um, so when did you actually get into blogging yourself? Um, it depends on your definition of a blog. I, I had a discussion with Chris Brogan about this, and he he said something that I think is right. It's a reverse chronological, uh, regularly updated website. So by that definition, I'd say 1996, um, because I had the nerdiest website on the internet. It was called Silicon Heaven. If anybody wants to search for any pieces of it. Uh, is it still on to... archive.org? It, it, unfortunately not. 
but um, there might be pieces out there on Usenet. Uh, because I used to write about Red Dwarf and Doctor Who. I used to write about Doctor Who when it wasn't on TV. How nerdy is that? Wow. And there was some really, really bad fan fiction. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, so, I mean, obviously, you were publishing web pages long before official blogging technology came along. Um, I assume that it wasn't WordPress that you started using blogging <laughs> technology with. It was, it was something before that as well. It was handcrafted HTML and then every programming language I got my hands on. So my website was rebuilt. The complete URL structure, everything was rebuilt like on a regular basis. So I did it in uh, Perl, PHP, Java, .NET, uh, Classic ASB, <laughs> um, pretty much everything. It's uh, Every language I've messed around with, my website has been rebuilt. So all those links are gone just vanished to the wind <laughs> well i mean i'm sure it's a great background to have come from i mean i, I remember back you know in the early 2000s d designing web pages with dreamweaver and I, I started using php a little bit as well and just just probably the most complicated i got in terms of coding was uh, using things like includes um within pages so i didn't have to have the same bit of text on every single page yeah. at least i could uh... your head on your foot and your sidebar exactly absolutely yeah um are you still getting your hands dirty in terms of coding at the at the moment or is that I still am. gone wow um i do code and i try not to do anything that's uh, super important <laughs> because uh, it's a while since I call myself a developer, but I do. I actually wrote some code for the new Rainmaker uh, podcast network, uh, and that's scary because it's been super popular. So if if it breaks, it's probably my fault. <laughs> that's a brave thing to admit online. <laughs> Um, so obviously your your site chrisg.com is on WordPress now. Um, when did you actually start getting into WordPress? I got into WordPress actually because um, I was in very much into Drupal. Uh, 2005, um, we had uh, a really popular site, 2005-2006, called performancing.com. And one of the things that I did for that was I reviewed software. And I'd looked at WordPress before, kind of dismissed it, went back to do a proper review, and that's when I fell in love with it. it because it, Drupal is fantastic if you're a team. For a solo person, I think Drupal's not quite as good. Um, a lot of people disagree with me, but I prefer WordPress if you're a solo guy, mm. solo person. And... Uh, I really that so I think two, early two thousand and six was when I gave it a, a proper good go and uh, decided that that was what I'd most likely to use uh, because at that time I'd just transitioned from being a SP.NET guy as well so PHP wasn't my number one uh, tool at that time anyway so yeah I had a lot of uh, prejudices coming in. <laughs> Yeah, and WordPress itself has, has gone through just so many changes since then, obviously. Um, back then, I don't think there was a way um, through the back-end system to actually even select a, a static page to have as your homepage. I think it was just um, your latest post, wasn't it, um, on your homepage yeah. then? I have to admit, at the time, I used to hack the core WordPress quite a lot to do things that I needed to do, and so uh, <laughs> that was very naughty. 
You, you can't remember what was actually part of the official code and part of your code. <laughs> oh, I, as I say, I, I had a long history of breaking my site on a regular basis before that. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that, that. That's that's a great. I, I've said it, you know, already, but it's a great background to come from because it, you know how things work, and um, if if you know that, then you're more likely to. Um, be able to, to 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 handle new technology technologies i think as they as they come along um so over the last couple of years probably in terms of technology um one of the the main developments has been inbound marketing and um really quite intelligent marketing automation um mm. is is that something that has had um a big impact impact for you and um kind of um the, the areas that you work in um Increasingly so. Um, I would say until recently, 80% um, of what we did uh, and what we've done has been just traditional stuff like traditional emails, traditional website. Uh, I think most of the gains we've got is from copywriting, audience building and split testing. But I think increasingly there's so much noise, so much content that I think marketing automation is becoming really important it's something we've definitely put some work into just the segmentation alone and um, only keeping in touch with people that show an interest i think that's going to be so much more important if you think about like the podcast network we just released there's going to be four plus episodes per day then we've got on even just that one site has got a free training which is i think 10 days of content that's just one site. We've got multiple sites with tons of different segments. So, you know, if somebody tried to engage with that much content, it's just like a fire hose. I think we'd lose a lot of people. So I think marketing automation is going to be increasingly important just from that point of view, without looking at the sales funnels and uh, re-engagement and, you know, customer loyalty, that kind of thing. So, I mean, there's so much going on there. Does that make it um, more difficult for the solo entrepreneur to actually challenge the bigger boys now? You know, perhaps the heyday for um, you pushing yourself forward um, as that solo person was perhaps three or four or five years ago as opposed to now. Or do you think there's still a massive opportunity um, for a single person making it big in terms of yeah. online success? I think a solo person can, but I look at an organization like Chris Ducker. He is, is a, a person and a, you know is the figurehead of his organization, but he outsources a great deal of things that he either doesn't want to do or shouldn't do. And I think that's the key. Um, even back when I was solo, solo, um, you know, I still, I didn't do my own transcriptions. In fact, a lot of the time my wife would do the transcriptions or we would go to Odesk. Um, so the 100% literal solo, I think, um, was rare even back a few years ago. I think it's probably even more rare now. But it depends on your goals for the business as well. If it's a lifestyle business, then for sure. If you have a goal of getting to uh, seven, eight figures, then you've probably got to think about something different. Okay, so if you're really intelligent about the way that you approach things, um, if you have lots of automation in there, if you outsource a lot, and, and uh, in fact, you mentioned Chris Ducker, I'm not sure if you're aware, mentioned um, episode 88 of Digital Marketing Radio, I interviewed Chris Ducker. Um, okay. So um, 
um, you know, he's um, a, a great guy in terms of outsourcing and getting that kind of thing right. Um, so what about yeah. now in 2015? You know, what marketing technology has, has really caught your eye as something for um, business owners, website um, uh, developers to be aware of in terms of um, getting their brand out there? I think the new thing that I'm really excited about, which sounds nerdier than I hoped it was, uh, is uh, adaptive content. Right. Because it's like I was saying before about that fire hose of content that we're shooting at people. It needs to adapt to the user. It needs to adapt to the the prospect, customer, visitor, whatever you're talking to. It needs to understand who they are and what the goals are and what their intent is so that it can present the best uh, content and format of that content. A really simple example is responsive design where if you change the browser size or you use a different device, it looks different. That's adapting to that user in that context. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that, but the actual content will change. And um, the relationship between the user and the content will change. So that's something I'm building stuff for, but also looking forward to actually using. Yeah, yeah. It's incredible how many people are on mobile devices now, on tablet computers, and how many different screen sizes there are out there as well. Um, because if you're designing for the web six or so years ago, um, you'd just be looking at um, the vast majority of your audience probably being on a 1024 pixel wide screen. And, you know, a couple of years before that, uh, 800 pixels wide. But now, if you have a look at your Google Analytics and you've got any amount of visitors whatsoever, um, you've got hundreds of different screen sizes and it's just not possible just to do fixed size content now if you want to try and make your content look as good as possible. Yeah, and that's why I'm so glad I'm not a designer. Back when I used to build web pages, it was a pain just uh, a couple of different browsers and then 644, 800, 600, 000, 24, 7, 6, 8. Mm. Uh, and you had to check for the flash plugin as well sometimes. <laughs> but now it's just uh, such a variety of screen sizes. User-defined screen sizes are probably the biggest hurdle. And... Um, it's only going to get more complex because of things like retina displays and the super high resolutions and uh, people using televisions now as their primary media device or starting the transaction on the mobile phone and wanting to finish it on the desktop or vice versa. So it's only going to get more complex. And of course, the style of communication has really changed as well, you know, because five years ago, you could get away with, you know, just writing a blog and um, having written content. Uh, but now really, um, a consumer wants to see the face of a brand, wants to relate um, with the person that they're potentially buying a product or service off. Um, and of course, you yourself, um, um, you, you've launched a podcast quite recently as well. Um, so how are you finding that? I'm finding it scary and fun. Um, <laughs> it is it is fun. And the concept behind the podcast, a lot of people don't know this, is uh, these are the conversations Tony and I would have anyway. And we're just allowing people to listen in. <laughs> um, but one podcast episode took us about six attempts to get it right. And it's partly because we're perfectionists. Um, but... That has been frustrating. <laughs> I, I think you start off editing a lot 
um, and and then you either you know don't edit and improve or maybe don't approve and, and, and don't improve and don't continue the podcast but um i i don't think you continue editing as much move, moving forward um uh, i mean certainly since i've moved to video as well it's not really possible to do that much editing at all um so the video itself won't have edit, any editing at all um the audio content might have that little bit of editing if there's been some kind of technology issue that's probably the main reason for doing editing now but um by and large i wouldn't take out any ums or ahs or you know it's, uh, I, I would probably use that more as motivation to try and improve my phraseology moving on yeah, I think most of the stuff I've been editing out is where my brain just spaces out and I lose the thread completely. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Um, I mean, certainly the first episode sounded great, so I'm, I'm sure you're oh, you're going to be great moving on. Hopefully, we'll improve. Oh, um, I'm sure you'll you'll be very popular. <laughs> um, yeah, but well, right now, the top twenty business. Um, well, yesterday, the top twenty business podcasts. Uh, Eleven of them were us. Wow, um, that that's that's. You, you've got a, you've got a bit of a big brand um, uh, pushing you, uh, copy blogger. Well, it was the launch. It'll settle down. I'm sure by now it's uh, dropped down because we haven't got all the emails going out and social shares. But yeah, we made a splash, so I'm happy. No, that's absolutely superb. And if you if you can get in there, if you can get that splash to begin with, you can drive that those initial subscribers and reviews and ratings, and that'll all help. I'm sure with the um, continued success of it. Well, the server guys have been put through the paces, that's for sure. <laughs> I didn't have a look. Are you using Libsyn or someone else for your... We're using Rainmaker. We're okay. using our own product, yeah. Okay, excellent. Well, um, I'm sure that will be a, a particular challenge, So, um, um, but I'm sure your server guys are up for the job. Um, yeah. But uh, let, let's move on to the second section of our discussion. So uh, that tends to focus more on your thoughts in general of digital marketing and where it's been, where it's going. So starting off with... Software I couldn't live without. So what software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact your marketing success? The things that I use all day, every day, and right now I'm probably getting a stack of messages just piling up. Uh, GitHub, HipChat, um obviously my email and Skype and without those I couldn't I couldn't operate within the business um, so github is what we use for all our code repositories and um, that's how we do a lot of our project management actually issue people jobs and do the QA through that uh, hipchat is our live communication because we're a, a virtual company we're spread out all over the world we've got um, people in Australia, Belarus, Canada, uh, all over the United States, uh, you know, most time zones. <laughs> so uh, it's uh, the only way we can communicate is through like having live chat. Uh, we've got a support desk as well, obviously, but for the rest of the team, it's through HipChat. So they're not glamorous, but they're uh, very useful. A lot of people using Slack in a, in a similar way. Yeah. It's interesting that the majority of your, or I think all of your suggestions there relate to communication, um, effective communication. So um, yeah. that's that's something to think about. We also use Trello. That's uh, coming really handy. Trello, wow. Okay, I have had about five or six people mention that as well. And uh, it's, it's something that I've tried a little bit, but that's um, another sign that I should be, be looking at it. Um, slightly well, more... The workflow for the uh, Rainmaker podcast, uh, Trello's coming really handy. And we've actually automated it so that the show hosts can email instead of going into Trello they can email their new episode 
and it goes into a trial card and then the team can manage it from there. So yeah, it's it can do a lot more things than people give it credit for. Okay, so for outsourcing workflow, that, that that's that's intriguing. Yeah, and what about um, a piece of software that um, you're not actually actively using at the moment, um, but you've heard good things about, um, and because of that, you're meaning to try possibly at some point in the near future. Can you think of something like that? Google Hangouts is uh, probably <laughs> the one. I, and this has made me think that I should have another go because we're doing audio podcasts. I think it would be nice to have a, a live show. And uh, I'm familiar with GoToWebinar and all the different webinar tools, but this is one that I haven't really given much chance yet. So I've been on this uh, Google Hangout and I was on the uh, Sterling and Stone to uh, self-publishing uh, podcast. Right. Uh, it was in Google Hangouts and it's a lot of fun. So I'd like to try that. Yes, no, that's interesting. Yeah, it's um, it's an incredible tool to have for free, certainly, because um, a couple of years ago it wasn't available, and um, go to webinar was getting a bit more expensive, so webinars were um, not so feasible really for for small businesses then. Um, but now you've got uh, third party tools as well that sit on top of um, Google Hangouts, things like Easy Webinar, um, so you can schedule webinars and get people interacting alongside your discussion as well. So it really is incredible what um, free tools or, or fairly low cost tools are out there now. Yeah, I'd like to try some of those. Mm. Okay, um, moving on to... I wish I would have. So I'd like you to look back in the very first day that you're involved in trying to market a business online. Um, what didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? I wish I'd kept my same URL structure since 1998. <laughs> <laughs> Strong SEO. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, there's probably many more mistakes, but that's probably my worst one: changing the site every time I had an idea. Yes. Try something. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I can relate with that as well. But I'm sure you did it um, way before me. <laughs> um, so moving on to the this or that round. So this is the quick response round. So ten quick questions and just two rules: try not to think about the answer too much, and you're only allowed to say the word both on one occasion. So. Ready to go? Okay. okay. Email or Twitter? Email. Audio or video? Video. Affiliates or display advertising? Affiliates. Facebook or Google Plus? Facebook. Online press releases or one-on-one -on -one relations? One-on-one -on -one relations. Paid search or SEO? SEO. Email contact form or telephone number? Email contact form every time. I'm an introvert. <laughs> Website or app? Website. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Email subscriber every time. And local marketing or global marketing? Both. Uh, you did a good thing hanging on to the last one for the both, I think. You know, I'm glad it. I did. <laughs> um, so you didn't struggle too much there. Probably affiliates or display advertising was the biggest hesitation there. Um, have yeah. you done done much affiliate marketing in the past? I have, and the re reason why I wasn't sure was because I've had good and bad experiences of both. Uh, so some of those things are it depends answers. Um, I'll give you an example. Uh, I had uh, an affiliate program for uh, ebook, um, and it was a hundred percent commission. 
And the reason was it was a lead generator and it did generate really good leads, but I got into trouble with some of my affiliates because the site kept on crashing because it wasn't on premium hosting and the technology behind it uh, at the time wasn't very good. And so I lost a lot of goodwill with some really good affiliates because they were sending traffic to it mm. and uh, people couldn't transact. Um, but I've had bad experiences with advertising as well. So, Yeah, I, I think affiliate marketing might have had its heyday, um, you, uh, you know, five, seven years ago or so, um, because with the advent of social media, um, everyone knows about you and your brand. And if if you're sharing affiliate links, it's, it's certainly on social media or, or in forums, it, it doesn't really work that effectively. Um, people are looking for real reviews of real products from people who they believe and um, affiliate links are less likely to be believable. Um, there's that 80-20 rule, but I think it's more of a 1% to 99%. There's 1% that drives 99% of the referrals yeah. um, business. And there's all the people that try to scam as well and the people that bring you into disrepute. So, yeah, um, right now the thing that I'm playing with most is Facebook advertising. And that's for, for me on a personal you know, experimenting, and I think there's some cool stuff in there. It's not going to make me a million dollars this week, mm. <laughs> but uh, I'm I'm more intrigued by some of the retargeting and stuff that you can do now that you couldn't do a few years ago quite as well. Yeah, I think the, the retargeting opportunity is quite quite in, incredible. I mean, Facebook, I think um, about four or five months ago, um, stopped you being able to import uh, different user IDs into your retargeting campaign. Um, so it, it's it's become a little more challenging to um, retarget to quite as many people. Um, but as long as you've got a website that has a reasonable number of visitors, then, then you can build your retargeting list based on that. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I like the idea of importing email lists as well. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, a, a lot to play with. <laughs> um, so, the next step is that ten thousand dollar question. So, if I was to give you ten thousand dollars and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on, and how would you measure success? A single thing. See, I thought it was a ten thousand dollar budget that you could spend on multiple things. So, uh... <laughs> well, share it about if you like. Why not? Yeah, well, I would, uh, first of all, I'd buy a laptop and an internet connection. Um, but secondly, I would put $1,000 of that into Rainmaker because it does podcasting and membership sites and everything like that, uh, which would handle my website infrastructure. I would actually put some of the money into a custom design, a custom theme, and the rest of it probably into travel expenses so I could meet people at events and meetups. Um, because I think if there's one thing that's been most beneficial to me over the years, bearing in mind that I switched careers a couple of times, um, it's been my network. Because you know I was a, a developer and then I was known for blogging and then I became a an internet marketing online business consultant and now a chief digital officer. The only reason for any of that has been my network. I mean, I started out in IT. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, that's um, a, a lot of people have many careers now to a certain degree. I mean, uh, I mean, certainly if they're um, you know nearing forty or over forty, because um, the, the the internet really just started, you know, say fifteen years ago in terms of um, it really becoming publicly available, and it's just incredible how quickly it's evolved and perhaps a little bit scary as to how much it might evolve over the next five years or so yeah yeah definitely uh, it's times are definitely changing I, I was talking to somebody the other day about um, the future for our kids careers mm. and I think if you're not in a creative field of some kind you're going to struggle because just look at a lot of people around the world are hired as drivers truck drivers and you know uh, some sort of operate some sort of vehicle. Google self-driving cars mm. are going to wipe out taxis, buses, train drivers. <laughs> um, if everybody's got a self-driving car, who needs a professional driver? And they can drive 24-7 as long as they've got fuel or energy. Um, so automation is taking over a lot of things that we used to have human beings do. We used to have rooms full of people who did typing. Yeah. Who's heard of a typist anymore? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I I think that um, it's very hard to actually predict what will happen because um, with three um, D printing being talked about now as well, and um, I heard um, quite recently that people have even three D printed a house in China. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, you know, if that means three D print now circuit boards. Yeah, yeah, so, but but that. CIA. Into that. But at least that could mean that uh, manufacturing comes back into countries like the US and the UK, and and manufacturing has been lost, you know, because of cheaper labour abroad as well. So that, that might be more positive. Yeah, I think uh, also look at things like Etsy, where it's um, custom made to requirements. It's tailor made um, because it's now possible to have short runs. Uh, or even like individual items manufactured with consistency and quality. Mm. Um, but we're not quite there yet. I've got a 3D printer and I, I nerd out about all of those things, Raspberry Pi, 3D printing, all the making stuff and go to the make affairs. But um, it's like the early days of the internet. You know, when I got on the internet, it was very much duct tape and, uh, you know, <laughs> band-aids. <laughs> But look at where we are now, and I think 3D printing and all that making stuff, that it's the same. It will become easy enough for anybody, not the not nerds necessarily, you know, for anybody to do. It's not there yet. It's very frustrating actually right now, but it'll get there. Yeah, but it's, um, it's exciting and scary at the same time. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> so um, we're just finishing off with... My number one takeaway. So, Chris, you've offered a lot of great advice in our conversation, but what would you say is the number one takeaway? What's the single most important thing that our listeners need to just take away and implement in their own businesses? Hmm. I th think I go back to what I said about networking being the most important part of my career. And it's not about even who you know, it's who knows what you can do, who knows your value. And um, people treat networking as like a Pokemon thing, you know, collecting business cards. Yeah. It's not like that at all. It should be about being generous to people and helping people and having people remember your value to them and uh, keep that network happy and uh, positive that's, build a positive reputation yeah that's great advice you know because it's it's, it's not bound down to quantity it's all down to quality yeah i could never do a quantity because i'm such a shy introvert but um <laughs> i try to 
make real connections. And I think, you know, I first had contact with Brian Clark, who's now my boss in, you know, 2006. Um, actually, um, you know, Tony Clark, who was the TOO, I just missed, you know, by, uh, by coincidence, I knew his cartoons before I knew him. But, you know, a lot of the connections that are important now I've had for many years. Darren Rouse, I wrote a book with him mm. before I met him. Wow. <laughs> he was released and on Amazon before I even uh, met him in person. So That's yeah. incredible. I didn't realize it was before you met him. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, yeah, th th thanks for sharing so much today. I mean, you're obviously, um, you know, a, 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 I think you're a confident presenter. I think you're, you know, a, a, a decent <laughs> podcaster. <you>. So uh, <laughs> I, I don't, don't know where this introvert is coming from. <laughs> Yeah, no, I fake it until I make it with the confidence stuff. Uh, I need to work on my self-esteem. <laughs> well, it was great. Oh, I, um, what's the the best way for audience to find out, you know, a little bit more about you and what what you do? Uh, so, ChrisG.com is the best way of getting in contact with me. But I'd like people to check out Rainmaker.fm, which is our new podcasting network. Absolutely, Rainmaker.fm and ChrisG.com. Um, so wonderful. Well, thanks again for for joining me and. Um, Thank you, dear listener. We'll see you next time on... So um, thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you again soon. <laughs>